Hi everybody, it's Steve Weir, Grace Point's Pastor of Arts and Communication, and I'm here to say welcome, or welcome back, to the Grace Point Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast via iTunes or on our YouTube channel. Feel free to check out our website for all the latest information about everything going on here at Grace Point. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step toward becoming a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. You know, who we listen to shapes our life. So if, for example, you would like to to go on a diet, there are a number of different voices that you could listen to. So you you might choose the, the Mediterranean diet. Because supposedly, you know, olive oil is good for you, uh, fish is good for you, the, the, the kinds of foods that people eat who live on the Mediterranean. I think I just like to live on the Mediterranean, but maybe if I can eat like people at the Mediterranean, it would feel like I live there, I, I, I don't know. Or you could choose instead the paleo diet, and the paleo diet is made up of things that you can hunt and gather, you know, and, and you can find versus things that are cultivated. Um, or you might just go for the Atkins diet. Um, that's, that's for those carnivores out there who, you know, just want to eat as much protein as you can, uh, cut the carbs, all that. You know, there's, there's just all these different kinds of diets that you can choose from, and it'll shape your life if you listen to those diets. I want to I emphasize the point that there's a difference between hearing and listening. So, so hearing is, is like when sound waves bounce off your eardrums. That, that's not really listening. Like listening is when you take in information and when you act on it. So, so my question for you this morning is, who are you listening to? Because there are a lot, a lot, a lot of voices to listen to these days. I mean, we have, we have traditional media that you can listen to, so, so TV, movies, books. We now have social media, which has exploded the number of voices for us to listen to. And we have never lived at, at another time in history like, like this where we have the ability to, to filter what we hear what we listen to, to personalize what we listen to, which in some ways is good because it means that we can, we can filter out some of the junk that we don't need to be listening to, but it's also a little bit dangerous because sometimes we can overfilter, and sometimes we can filter out voices that we really need to be hearing from. And so this morning I have a proposal for you. And that is that there is one voice that is essential for us to listen to over and above any other voice. And the challenge for us this morning is to ask ourselves, how well are we doing listening to that voice? Not not just hearing, not just sound waves bouncing off of our ears, but how well are we doing listening to that one voice? And what is at stake if we do not? So if you'd take a Bible and turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. This would be really helpful for you if you have this in front of you this morning, if you have a Bible with you, or if you want to look it up on your device, because we're going to look at several passages around Matthew 7, the context there. We're beginning a new series called the Red Letter Challenge. 
And I'm gonna explain in, in a few minutes what that red letter challenge means. But I just wanna say to, to those of you who may be with us who are new to Grace Point. So whether you're new here in the room or whether you're new watching online, I just, I want you to understand for the next 40 days, for the next six weeks, you have an opportunity to be involved in something that's very multifaceted. So if, if you're accustomed to typically just tuning in on a Sunday morning, then, then that's great. So, so keep doing that, tune in online, come in person. But you can go beyond that and just, just touch and base once a week because uh, for the next 40 days, we have a devotional that you can engage in on a daily basis. And so we still have these devotional books available. If you're here in the room, pick one of these up on your way out. Um, you can leave a $5 donation if you'd like to do that, but these have actually all been paid for by a generous donor, and so they're there for you to pick up. Um, if you are watching online, please, uh, it's not too late for you to get your copy. You can go to our events page, so gracepointpa.org slash events, and you can find out information about how to get your book delivered to you or, or to stop by the church and pick it up. And then beyond that daily engagement, then we also have the opportunity to, to do group engagements. Many of our groups are going to be following the Red Letter Challenge uh, starting even today. So if you're not part of a group, you, you heard there about the starting point groups. We also have a Wednesday night virtual group that is available for you to, to tune in from home. So a lot of different ways to engage and to listen and to hear from the Lord over the next 40 days. Today, as we start this series, we're going to start with a text that concludes what is probably the most famous sermon ever delivered. Uh, Matthew chapter 5 through 7 is known as the Sermon on the Mount. It'll take you about 15 minutes to read or so takes a little bit longer than that to deliver verbally. If you like short sermons, you like Jesus. Um, the, we're, we're, doing the, we're looking at the conclusion of this sermon that he gave in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Let's read it. Uh, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell... And the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Jesus is a, a genius of, of telling stories, giving illustrations that, that make a point. And in, in this story, he, he contrasts two men, one wise, one foolish. They both build houses. And both of their houses probably look pretty good. They probably look good in the sunshine. But then the storms come. Verse, verse 25, rain fell. Floods came, winds blew, and beat on that house. I mean, the, the storm is coming from all angles. Have you, have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like you're getting hit from all sides with various storms? Maybe, maybe you have an unexpected financial expenditure, something breaks, and it's going to cost 
a significant amount of money you weren't planning on. Meanwhile, you have a family member who is, is facing a medical crisis. Meanwhile, your, your best friend is churning on you. You're, you're getting hit from all sides. Do you ever feel like that? It's like coming in threes and it's like, wow, it's just washing over me, overwhelming me. Jesus is appealing to our desire. He's speaking to our desire that when we experience the storms of life, we would have a safe place to weather those storms. Speaking of storms, we've been dealing with storms, right, recently. And my in-laws, uh, my, my mother-in-law, my sister-in-law, who, who may be watching here this morning, hi, Wanda and Debbie, if you're, you're watching. Um, they're down in Houston, Texas. They have been experiencing storms like they are very not used to. And so this week, they actually, their power went out. It was out for about 30 hours. And during that time, the, the temperature went down to 11 degrees, now, that sounds awful for us, but for people in Texas, I mean, they're like, is, is this even survivable? I mean, they're just like, wow, you know, this is just horrendous. So, so they're kind of mucking through this and, and getting through, but they survived. I mean, that, when, when you're in the middle of that, you're just, you're looking for protection. You're looking for survival, and, and Jesus is tapping into that desire for all of us because we experience not just natural storms, you know, natural disaster kind of storms and snow, but we experience all kinds of storms of our life. And Jesus knows that we want security in the midst of that, so he tells us how to prepare. He tells us in verse 24, Every, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock and the storms came rain fell floods came winds blew beat on the house but it did not fall why because it had been founded on the rock it was built on a foundation and this word rock here means bedrock i mean it is not going anywhere the foundation that we build our lives on so that we can stand through storms, Jesus says, is hearing his words and doing them. That, that's really the definition of listening. So it's possible to hear Jesus' words, as, as in the case of the second man. You can hear his words and not do them, but then your house will be built on shifting sand. It's like building your house by a beach, with a, with a foundation that is not going to hold up when the storms come, when the hurricanes come. So Red Letter Challenge is all about hearing the words of Jesus and then putting them into practice. It's all about building our life on the bedrock of Christ's words. So, so a lot of Bibles these days are Red Letter Bibles. Let me explain what red letter challenge means. A lot of Bibles are red letter. Now, if you happen to pick up one of the Bibles that we have here for, for our seats, those are not red letter Bibles, but mine happens to be. And what that means is that anything that Jesus spoke, anything that Jesus said is written in red letters. And so as I was growing up, I remember being a little bit confused about this because I was thinking like, 
I mean, really, why are we highlighting Jesus' words? I mean, isn't, isn't every word in, in the Bible spoken by God? Isn't everything inspired? And the answer to that is yes. The, the answer to that is everything that God has spoken in his revelation is, is God-breathed and it is all useful for our teaching and our instruction, our correction, our training in righteousness. But it is appropriate for us to give special attention to Jesus' words. It's, a, it's appropriate for us to highlight those. And we get a glimpse of why that is if you, if you read on in Matthew chapter 7, just, just after Jesus finishes his story, verse 28. When Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. So as people are listening to Jesus, it's interesting. It says they were astonished, not not so much at the content of his teaching. They were astonished at the authority with which Jesus was teaching. They perceived there's something different about Jesus from the teachers that we we are accustomed to hearing. There's something different about the way Jesus carried himself. And if we, if we go back in Matthew 7, like just before the story, so we read just after the story, we're, we're getting the context here. Uh, if we read just before the story that Jesus told, in verse 21, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day... On the final day of judgment, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This is huge because Jesus is standing in front of this crowd of people telling them, I am the one who has the authority to decide who gets into the kingdom of heaven and who is kept out of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus' words are the way to life. That's how important Jesus' words are. He decides who's in, who's out. Let's let's step back for for just a moment and, and look at the even broader context. Of, of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, just before the sermon begins in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew sets out the theme for Jesus' ministry. So if you can go back to, to chapter 4, Matthew 4, verse 17, the beginning of Jesus' ministry, it says, from, from that time Jesus began to preach. So this is the very beginning of his ministry, and this is what he said. Repent, For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus came to announce the the coming of the kingdom of heaven. And Matthew, throughout his his whole gospel, is, is vitally concerned that we understand that Jesus has come to inaugurate a kingdom of which he himself is the king. I mean, Matthew is so concerned about this, he starts his gospel with a genealogy that many of us find very boring because it's so-and-so begat this person begat blah blah and but the reason why that's so vital 
is because Matthew needs to show us that Jesus is in the line of David and that he is reestablishing the Davidic kingship. This is, we should understand too, that in Jesus' day, this is dangerous language for him to be talking about establishing a kingdom, that the coming of a new kingdom. Because you, you may be aware of this, that there was, a, there was a king in Jesus' day, and his name was Herod. And Herod did not like the idea of anybody else being a king. He like so much didn't like that idea that he's like killing family members of his own that he was afraid were going to try to dethrone him. Herod didn't want another king so much that in Matthew chapter 2, when he finds out that this, this Messiah has been born, that this new potential king has been born, he sends out his troops to say, I want you to kill everybody under two years old. That's how paranoid he is. So for Jesus to come and say, I'm bringing a new kingdom, that's, that's a little scary under Herod's rule. It's also a little scary under Rome's rule because Rome doesn't want anybody setting up a rival kingdom either. That's why in AD 70, after Jesus, Rome comes in and destroys Jerusalem because there's just been one too many insurrections and they're tired of dealing with that. And so for Jesus to come and say, I'm setting up a new kingdom, this, this is dangerous. This is seditious language. But, but Jesus is not deterred. He says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he came to describe what that kingdom would look like and to invite people to come into that kingdom. He, he basically went around for three years gathering subjects for his kingdom. He wants people who are going to be subject to his rule. So question, what, what do subjects of a kingdom do? Answer, they subject themselves to the king. They obey what the king says. We, we, we don't have much experience with kings in our culture. So I know some of you are coming from different countries. You have different governmental structures. In our governmental structure, we like to talk about the rule of law. We're not ruled by another person. We are ruled by the law. And all of us are the same, on the same level. We are all subject to the same law. I mean, we could debate about whether that's working and whether that's really the case and how that all works its way out. But that's, that's at least the ideal that we have set up. That doesn't work with Jesus. Jesus basically says, I am the law. I am the king. You obey me or you are excluded from the kingdom. What that means is there are no more important words to listen to than Jesus' words. If Jesus decides who is in the kingdom and who is out of the kingdom, then we better pay attention to what he is saying. And we better not just hear his words. We better listen to them and put them into practice because Jesus' words are the way to life. So, red letter challenge is about becoming subjects of the king. It's about listening to what Jesus has to say and then putting it into practice. For, for some of us, it may be the first time we've ever done that. 
for some, some of us may be new to faith, and some of you watching may, may be new to faith, and you're kind of just exploring the idea of Jesus, and you've never really consciously thought about the fact that if Jesus says something, I should obey it. So we have an opportunity now for the next 40 days to practice what does that look like. And I would just encourage you, if you've never consciously followed what Jesus has to say before, I'd say just, just take 40 days and, and try it and do it and see what happens over the course of that, that time. So some of you, that, that may be a new idea, that may be a new challenge for you. For, for many of us, we have been seeking, we're, we're wanting, we know we're, we're wanting to be following what Jesus has to say. So we want to move into that more deeply. We, we want to take another step in obedience during this time. So, so for the next 40 days, we have the opportunity to just immerse ourselves in the words of, of Jesus. We're, we're going to hear sermons, we're going to read devotionals, we're going to be talking in our group discussions, all with a view to how do we now put this into practice? How do we do what we're, we're hearing? Because doing is what Jesus said lays the bedrock of foundation for a life to be ready for storms. So the, the author of the Red Letter Challenge, uh, his name is Zach Zender. Zach spent six years combing through the red letters of Jesus, the, the letters that Jesus spoke in the scripture. And he, he began to categorize those and he categorized those into five specific topics that Jesus came back to over and over and over again. And those are the five topics that we're going to be talking about over the next five weeks. And they are being, forgiving, serving, giving, and going. So, as you start the devotional this week, and if, if you're going to start it and kind of stay on track with us, you can start on Tuesday because there's five devotionals this first week. We're going to hit each one of those topics very briefly. And then next Sunday, we're going to move into being and we're going to spend a whole week on being. So if you start on Tuesday, then you'll stay on track. And next Sunday, you'll be doing the first uh, devotional on being. So Jesus' parable of the two house builders is a fitting intro for this series. Let's, let's read those first couple of verses again. Matthew seven twenty four. So simple, but so profound. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the bedrock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the bedrock. Jesus' words are the way to life. There's three things at stake for us. As we make the choice of whether we're going to follow, whether we're going to listen, or whether we're just going to hear, there's three things at stake. The first is this. Will you stand or fall when storms come? We, we've talked about that already. Obeying Jesus prepares us to stand when the storms come. Now, when the storms come, you will probably still experience, it doesn't mean the storms aren't going to come. So you'll probably still experience some discomfort, some interruptions in, in the storms. The, the power may go out. You may have some shingles to replace after the storm is over. But 
when the storm is over, your, your house will still be standing and you will, you will survive, you will persevere instead of a great fall. The second thing that's at stake is, are you in or out of the kingdom? Because obeying Jesus secures your spot in the kingdom. As we, as we saw in verse 21, it's possible to say the right things, even to call Jesus Lord. We should be sobered here this morning because we, we sang songs earlier, praising, praising the Lord, hallelujah, praising the Lord. It is possible to praise Jesus and praise the Lord, but in the end be left out of the kingdom. Let's read verse 21 again. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. And we should, we should be clear on this. This is not, we're not talking about salvation by works here, because if it was salvation by works, these people would have been saved because they were doing amazing things. In verse 22, I mean, they're prophesying in Jesus' name. They're casting out demons in Jesus' name. They're doing these mighty works. I mean, if, if salvation was by works, they would, have, they would be in. But Jesus says, the problem is, in verse 23, I never knew you. If we don't know Jesus in his proper role as king, if we don't respect him and honor him, and obey him, we will be excluded from the kingdom. Jesus said in, in John 14, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, think about those, those things for, for just a moment, that he is the way and the truth and the life. Those are the things, those three things are the things that we spend our lives trying to figure out and, and trying to latch on to. We, we want to know the way. through. I mean, this, this life is difficult. It's perilous. I mean, there's a lot of mess in, in our world to navigate. It's like, how do we find our way? Jesus says, I am the way. The truth. What, what is the truth? I mean, we're asking that today more than ever. We have more access to more information at our fingertips, on our phones. We can pull up any information that we want. But what is true? Jesus says, I am truth. And life, we, we are all desiring more than just existence. We want life. And Jesus says, you find those things in me. Jesus' words are the way to life. He says, come to me for these things. The third thing that's at stake as we listen to Jesus is, are you on mission or off mission? Obeying Jesus means that we get to be ambassadors for the kingdom. So back at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, um, Jesus calls the subjects of his kingdom to be salt and light in the world. He says, I want you to be salt. I want you to be a preservative in the midst of a culture and a world that is spoiling and getting disgusting and stinky because of all of the sin in the world. I want you to be a preservative to preserve what is good. So be salt and be light. Bring light into that darkness. 
And the only way we do that is as we live our lives living out the words that Christ has called us to do. A study was done a few years ago of, of the nuns in our country. And it went by nuns, I'm not talking about N-U-Ns, I'm talking about N-O-N-E-S. So nuns who say that they have no religious affiliation. 50% of the nuns, 50% of the people in our country who say they have no religious affiliation, say that they are disillusioned with Christianity and they, they are kind of repulsed by it. Not because of Jesus, but because of Jesus' followers. And because they look at the followers of Jesus and they see them acting in ways, speaking in ways, living in ways that they say, I don't want to have anything to do with this. And so it is vital for us to live the way Jesus calls us to live, to live with love. I mean, the, the, the primary commandment that Jesus called us to, to live out is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. If we were characterized by love, how much more attractive would that be to the nuns to say, maybe there's something to this Jesus that I need to check out and find out. It's vital that we follow what Christ has called us to do. Now, we know that some will reject Jesus because he has called us to hard things. So, so there's no doubt that some people are going to say, I just, I can't get on board with what Jesus has asked us to do. But, but for, for many others, as, as Jesus said, they, they will see our good works and give glory to our Father in heaven when they see us following the, the words of Christ. So we have 40 days to practice that. Who are you listening to? What voices are shaping your life? Here's my challenge to you. I'd like you to do just a little self-evaluation of how much time you spend actually listening to Jesus versus how much time do you spend listening to other voices, other media, other things that are clamoring for your attention. If, if there's a big imbalance there, if you're spending hours and hours and hours watching talk shows and news, listening to news radio, whatever you listen to, if you're spending hours of your day doing that and you're spending minutes of your day listening to Jesus, then I want to encourage you and challenge you over the next 40 days to start shifting that balance. And to say, over the next 40 days, I'm going to spend more time than I have spent. Maybe you won't get to the point of spending more time than all of those other voices. That would be cool. But at least spend more time than you have been listening to the voice of Jesus. You can do that through, through the devotional. You can do that through, even better, through the, the very red letters of, of Jesus. Like just read through them in the Gospels to hear directly from him what does he have to say. Because Jesus' words are the way to life. If you and I hear and listen and do what Jesus has asked us to do, that means we are, we are now subjects of his kingdom. And when we are acting as subjects of his kingdom, maybe, just maybe, we will attract others to want to be part of that kingdom as well. 
Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for coming. We thank you for living a perfect life and for teaching us the will of God. Lord Jesus, give us a hunger and a thirst for your words. Lord, that that goes over and above so much of the, the junk, so much of the worthless words that we take in and even act on. Lord Jesus, would you strengthen us over these next 40 days to listen for for you? And I pray specifically for the one who's listening this morning who has never even really intentionally thought about following your words, about listening to you and then putting it into practice. Lord, I pray that that person would would open their their ears to hear from you, would, would devote more time to spend with you over these next 40 days. And may you just be shaping and remolding each of our hearts to appreciate you more, to love you more, and to obey you more so that we can be light in this world that desperately, desperately needs it. Lord, may may the song of our life, Lord, sing about you and for you. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen.